Electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the fund's investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Thank you, guys. Fast Money starts right now, live from the NASDAQ market site overlooking New York's Times Square. I'm Scott Wapner, in for Melissa Lee tonight, and the traders on the desk are Tim Seymour, Brian Kelly, Dan Nathan, and Guy Adami. Ahead on Fast, transport seeing red, driving deeper into correction today. And a key event this week could point to more pain for that group. Plus, the S&P on track for its best June in more than six decades. And a handful of trade war stocks are leading the pack. We'll tell you how to play them into the G20 summit later this week. Let's start where else? The markets closing lower today, still hovering at an all-time high, even as risk-off trades roar. Check it out. The S&P up 17% this year. Meanwhile, gold and bonds are booming. So can these assets continue to rally together? What should you be buying? You take that first question. Well, that song, guys. I thought it was the loving spoonful. No, how about the turtles? The turtles. Get a little ding, ding. Nice yeah. job by Tim. Welcome. Thank you. We love Thank it when you're here. Thanks for being here. I know it's a long day. What was the question? Long. Oh, no, I know what the question was. Listen, I am a skeptic of the market. I've been a skeptic. And the S&P goes up every day right in my face. But with that said, and you can rage against the machine, but in a market where utilities continue to make all-time highs, names like Procter & Gamble, now with 24 times uh, forward earnings, continue to make all-time highs. You have to ask yourself, is this a sign of a healthy, broader market? I say no. The answer to your question, where can you still be? I'll say it again. And this, we haven't just said this in a vacuum over the last week. We've been saying it for a while. Something is happening in the gold market without question. It's a, it's a function of what's going on with central banks globally. And these gold mining stocks are breaking out to the upside. They continue to have room, Scott. So, so a healthy market, you know, I'm not even sure. So it's a great question because I think there's a lot of uh, things that should be flashing caution out there. Look, we had a, a Dallas Fed report that followed a Philly Fed and New York Fed that were horrendous numbers, three-year lows on these volatile but very important manufacturing regional Fed, Fed indices. Look at dollar-yen, another sign of risk, which is blinking, basically breakdown. In other words, yen is outperforming the safe haven trade being unwound or a carry trade. Look at where yields are. Look at where gold is. I mean, gold, gold's outperformance of silver is, is a function of really uh, people running for uh, not just precious metals, but running for risk aversion. Uh, last time you saw this, this was in the 90s. So there's all kinds of things you can point to. But, but what is a healthy market is really the question. Because frankly, you know, if you own Coca-Cola and Pepsi and if you own Procter & Gamble and if you own McDonald's and Starbucks, um, these are defensive stocks that are probably going higher. And the valuation almost doesn't yeah, even but, matter. But Danny, what does it say when you have staples hitting new highs, bonds going up, gold going up, Bitcoin going up, stocks going up? What's the message in that? It's really simple. I mean, the warning signs are screaming in silence. They're right out there. And if you're just looking at the S&P 500 that just made a new all-time high, you're looking at the wrong thing. If the Fed's telling you they're going to lower rates because they want to get inflation going, 10 years of ZERP and QE and all that stuff tells us there's no way to get any real low rates uh, or no inflation. And the only thing that's inflated is the S&P 500. You know, that chart there, that's a little fun here. The last two times we saw the Fed go down these rate-cutting cycles, we saw where the S&P 500 topped out around. 1600s, it got cut in half both times. You take the average 
strategists on the street what their targets are, about 3,000, uh, 30, 50 or something like that. You take a 50% hit to that, you get right back to that support at 1,600. I'm not saying that's going to happen, but it looks nice on the charts. Trying to scare and that's, people. I, well, a little bit, because you know what, Tim? We got guys, everyone coming out saying how great the economy is. The only thing that's actually doing well is the S&P 500, and the stock market is not the economy. Well, if you look, right, if you look at the underlying figures, we Tim mentioned a couple of the uh, the Federal Reserve indices. You look at what's going on with transports. We're going to talk about those later. But the the economy and the global economy, more importantly, is not looked that great. There are signs of weakening. We have a lot of reports coming out later this week. ISM, PMIs, those will likely turn lower. And here's the thing. Take the playbook from Japan in the mid-2000s, okay? This was after they already tried multiple cuts, QE, QQE. Then they cut near to the lows, and the Japanese stock market did not respond. At some point in time, you hit the law of diminishing returns, that's and that's where we gonna, are. Are you saying that's what's going to happen if I the think Fed so. cuts rates? I, I, I think the market a, is not going to respond the way people think. I think there's not. I think there's a very good chance, a non-trivial chance, something you need to be prepared for, that the Fed cuts rates in July and the market goes down. So, you know, all these leading indicators are telling you, uh, as they should, to be careful uh, that the economy is not where it was a year and a half ago. And, and but, but how bad is it? So, you know, really the question is, you know, you're getting some concern out of Europe that actually their, their, their employment numbers are going to start to break down. For an economy that's really an export economy, the consumers held them up. Um, what's happening with peak labor here? You know, it's hard to argue we can get a lot better on payroll. So the consumer is going to be resilient. The economy, uh, for whatever you want to say about a rear-looking measure in GDP, the economy has been growing, you know, two to three percent for the last four four quarters. Um, it doesn't show as if it's about to fall off a cliff. The question is, if the Fed is getting out of your way and you have trend or slightly below trend growth, shouldn't the market be able to get in its own way here and continue to do what it's doing? I, I, I kind of well, like that's the will. question though. Is are we going to have trend growth or are things going to stall? That's the biggest question that the market's trying to answer. And if you look at some of these kind of leading indicators, things are starting to roll over. So the only caveat I would say. If we get some movement, and it has to be significant movement at the G20 towards some kind of truce in this trade war, then you could actually see the market hit new highs. It may be irrational, but that's the one thing that we're set up for right now. So, Beeks, what breaks it out, though? That is, you know, you talk about what's been acting well, and it's all these defensive names, utilities, REITs, uh, staples. That's that the only thing that's no, been acting well. Well, I know, but so let's just look at uh, MAGA. You know, you got your FANG, I got my MAGA. That's uh, Microsoft, Apple, Google, and Amazon. When you think about it, you know, Microsoft is making new highs. Almost, whoa, what the heck is that? Uh, almost every what, what day. I've never even seen that's that. That's a brand new graphic that's a, for that, you. That's new. That's hot. Is that you yeah. in the graphic? Yeah, it was. Yeah. You see that blue hat? That's real good. Listen, Microsoft is acting like a defensive name. People are crowding into it. But then when you think about what did we see out of There's Salesforce? What did we see? What did we see out of Oracle in the last couple weeks? And Adobe, that's telling you that enterprise spending on some of the stuff is still pretty good, right? So we know that we talk about the U.S. consumer a lot. That's great. But here's the thing. Back to the market. If the market's going to break out to meaningful highs. You're going to need Apple, you're going to need Google, and you're going to need Amazon getting back towards their prior highs. And I'm just not certain that you can get $2.5 trillion of market cap that has plenty of headwinds X-Trade related to them to be that torque to get the market to break out. You know what else you're going to need, Scott? In my opinion, you're going to need the small caps as measured with the IWM. And in September of last year, this IWM was 175 when the S&P 500 was making its all-time high. But guess what? With the S&P 500 effectively at all-time highs again, 
we're nowhere near it in the Russell. So if things were gangbusters, I think if the market were as strong as everybody wants to believe, I think the Russell would be higher. And to answer your original question of what does it That's tell you that time. every like asset and a half minutes in, you're finally going to get. No, no, I answered your first question, but then you asked another question, which I'm answering now because it's coming around that. to me again. What does it tell you with all these assets going higher? It t- says to me the Fed is looking at inflation in all the wrong places. Inflation is right in front all of right. your face, me, and it's manifesting itself in all these let assets. Me, let me throw another question out there to you, BK. Let's do it. Make sure you, you don't you, take seven minutes to answer it. Are you <laughs> negative or are you just afraid to be positive because of all of the risk Ooh. factors that are out there? I would say that I, I am I'm cautious because we've had such a run. We have been in a trading range for a year. It's been a big trading range. We're at the top of the trading range. There are signs out there that things are not as great as maybe an S&P 1% away from the higher at all-time highs suggest. So what I'm saying is I'm cautious. I don't have a lot of equity exposure at Mm -hmm. this point in time. I don't think you need to. I think you can buy puts if you want to hold on to your stocks. But I think you need, there's certain times, and in this market, what we've had for the last year, there are certain times you just need to be a little bit cautious. That's that's what I would say. Did he answer the question? Yeah, I said it cautious like eight times. I'll so, say it again. So how, how about this? How about structurally cautious but tactically optimistic? And I've Ooh. said this now like three times in the last week, and I, I'm going I'm to keep saying it. Yeah, I mean, that one up me. Uh, the, the bottom line here is you have uh, a handful of dynamics from the market, which, which is at all-time highs. Okay, and, and I realize that people don't like the quality of what's at all-time highs, but they're some of the greatest companies in the world that, that right now are at all-time highs. And, and these are companies that when markets were also at a low-growth standard, uh, we're, not, you know, we're not doing it. I mean, Coke had underperformed for years. When we were in 2014, 2015, and we were kind of going through this Fed-induced NERP environment, and people were wondering, well, what happened to these great companies? These great companies are now actually chugging along at all cylinders. They look very healthy, free cash flow generation, et cetera, et cetera. So, I mean, I think you just have to take the market that is with you and, and not get carried away and say everything is perfect because there are a lot of issues out there. But but the reality it's is right now, it's far from perfect, the, the, but it's the also far is, from is, bad. Is spending. I think it's closer to bad than perfect, but that's what makes markets. But you know who could probably answer that question a lot more succinctly and oh, intelligently than I? Here we go. I mean, Some guy like, a, like, wow. like a Chris Harvey, who might as well be one of the four, like the fourth Manning brother. Do you want to intro him? No. I mean, we, well, you oh, was he here? I mean... Welcome, Chris go. Harvey. I won't even read that. Wells Fargo Securities Head of Equity Strategy. Is he good or is he good? <laughs> He's great. Right? He's outstanding. All right. You heard it. I mean, I, I feel more negativity than, than positive feelings about the market on the desk. What about you? All right. So there's a couple things, a couple litmus tests we look at. So what has low volatility done since September? Low volatility is outperformed by 13 14%. What did it do in 2008? It outperformed by 14%. Second litmus test. Let's go back to the summer 2007. Let's compare that to fourth quarter of 18. What happened six months out from the summer 2007? Equity market was down 3%. The Fed made an emergency cut. And oh, by the way, Bear Stearns was about to go belly up. Now what are we looking at? We're looking at the S&P up 25%. We're looking at the Fed perhaps cutting. And oh, by the way, the bank stress test just came through and bank balance sheets are quite, quite strong. Right, but we're not trying to equate that. I mean, whether the banking system is stronger today than it was in 07, what, what, so the what point, does that have to do with so the where we are now? the point being is a lot of I mean, people are yelling. Obviously, we're in, a better, uh, we're in a better situation than we were in 07 right. in, in the so banks. A lot of people are saying recession, recession, recession. We're not seeing those telltale signs. Now, does Only the market, because the banks are better capitalized? I mean, there are other signs I, that you could look absolutely. at. Absolutely. So banks are better capitalized. Credit spreads are tightening. And yes, ISM is, is rolling over. Uh, new orders rolling over. Um, payrolls don't look great. But all that's telling us, BK, I, what I think it's telling us is we've just peaked. It doesn't mean things are terrible. It's we've peaked. 
So we've just peaked, and now we're starting right. to have strategists cut their earnings estimates for the 2019 right. and 2020. And this goes back to the conversation we were having before. So you have an S&P, if you have 166 bucks in earnings for 2019, right. you have an S&P that's almost pushing 18 times. And that's expensive because all the crowding in names like Procter trading at 23 times, or Coke trading at 24 times, or Microsoft trading at 26 times. That's kind right. of the problem. We'll look back and say, oh, that was kind of obvious. Those stocks should have never been trading at those levels. So if the tenure is going to be at 2% for a long time, if credit spreads are going to be 100, 125 basis points for a long time, where should multiples be at this point in time? They should be relatively high. 17, 17, 18 times, not particularly high. Roll it back to the late 90s, where we had things at 25, 30 times. That's expensive. Here, on a relative basis, things aren't all that expensive. So if the Fed cuts rates, what does the market do? BK says go down. um, Potentially. (laughs) So I don't think it goes down. What, um, even getting before that, what happens with the G20? What I think is Trump wants things to go okay, but not great, because he does want uncertainty in the marketplace. That's going to cause the Fed to cut, right? If the Fed does cut, I think it's better. The, the yield curve, two stands, has, has gone up. It will continue to go up. That's good for the banks. What can get the market higher is if the financials start to work. Now, if the Fed cuts and we have rates lower, Trump can start saying, okay, maybe, possibly we have a detente. And oh, by the way, I'm going into an election cycle. I can't start turning up the heat into an election cycle because I can't have the global economy, and definitely not the U.S. economy, rolling over in that type of situation. So you could have the sun, the moon, the stars start to align. The bar's low, don't you think, going into the G20, the meeting between Trump and Xi? I don't think there's any. I think there's All they need to come out and say is that it was cordial, we had a great dinner, we're going to keep talking. Who? Are we expecting something no, some more tariffs? I think at some point right. you have to have some movement beyond just, hey, we're talking again. I don't know if that's this G20. I do know that there's a lot priced into this, a lot of expectations. But at some point you're going to, hey, have this, oh, it was really nice. We had a nice cup of coffee and a huge piece of cake, and the market goes down. That could be next week. That's all I'm saying. It, it just seems to me that after the May 6 tweets or whenever those were that were kind of the fresh kind of volley on trade, we had this case where the Fed then went, extra the extra yard and so you have this case where really the fed once again really trumps anything uh and you know maybe a pun maybe not intended but really will outdo anything that goes on at the g20 and right now the fed is your friend there's nothing that's going to change the fed's ways and means right here and now and we've seen that for the last eight years every time you've tried to fight this dynamic in the markets has been painful right isn't that the bottom line why would it be any different this time? So, so, so what, what's different this time is that we actually had cr- uh, crises brewing back in 2000, 2001, and then again in 2007 and eight. We don't have one here except for the fact that it's self-induced. Chris made a lot of great points that we can get through oh, a period. He's not here anymore. Well, we can get. I didn't thank him yet. He's still here. We, we, we can get through this period unless we still have these own goals. And that's kind of what's going on. And when you hear an equity strategist talk about how the president is trying to thread a needle into an election year, that makes me a little nervous because when you have all of this negative yielding rates globally, you have our rate cutting cycle starting from two and a quarter percent. We are that far away from some big, big mishaps that we do not have the ammo to combat if we do end up having a crisis. Which is why gold's doing what it's doing. That's right. Mm -hmm. I'll let you sum it up. What's your last word for us? Um, Then we're going to thank you and then you will no longer be here. (laughs) (laughs) We'll make it good. Uh, Be careful. Don't light your hair on fire, but there is upside opportunity. All right. Good stuff. Chris, thanks. That's Chris Harvey. As Wall Street awaits the big G20 summit later this week, a handful of trade war stocks are soaring. The traders will tell you which stocks to trade or fade into the event. And that is next. Plus, Bitcoin coming off another wild weekend. 
crossing back above 11,000. So how much hotter can this Bitcoin rally get? A top analyst will be here to weigh in along with Bitcoin BK, the Bitcoin boss. We're live from Times Square in New York City. There's much more Fast Money right after this. The spirit of performance defines Acura. And now it's electric. Introducing the all-electric ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. While what powers their cars may change, the energy that makes Acura never will. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system and up to 313-mile range on a single charge and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is everything they said electric could never be. It was built with the driver in mind, just like Acura has been doing since the beginning. We could talk all day, but the only way to experience this electric performance is to drive it yourself. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Welcome back to Fast Money. Home Depot falling 2% today as CEO Greg Minear tells CNBC in an exclusive interview how the company plans to tackle potential tariffs. We'll do everything we can to try to take other costs out of the business, working with our suppliers, whether that's opportunities in supply chain, other, other elements of the business. And then we'll try to protect the customer on the project. Some of it at that at 25%. Rate, some you, of it has no to get passed can, through. Yeah. Yep. Some of it has to, but we'll try to minimize that impact on the customer. You have- well, despite today's move, Home Depot shares are up more than 20% this year as the XHB Home Builder ETF is up nearly 30%. So how should you trade this group, Timmy? Well, Home Depot, to me, is probably going to trade first on interest rate sensitivity. Then it's going to trade on the margins and their multiple. They, they deserve a premium to the rest of the group. It's largely lows. Um, but I think Home Depot in this environment, uh, their, their professional services business has a major margin component that can offset what's going on in, 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 on the tariff front. So um, I, I tell you, it's had a very good run off the bottom again that probably peaked when we peaked at around 325 on rates. I, I stay in the trade. I, I, there's nothing to me that tells you uh, refi cycle is only going to increase here. Every tick lower, you're going to see more people jumping in and actually spending more money on the house they have, not the house they want. Don't you I'm think not, housing's I'm, a little dicey, though? I'm not sure that that's actually true. I mean, in the past, okay. it's been oh, true. Okay. Well, All the right. data doesn't support it. I mean, the Basketball. data doesn't support sure. it. Just reach, I think just it's a key. And just punch I just it. think I mean, it's right. a key point. You just did the verbal equivalent <laughs> of that. <laughs> it's, it's a key point, though, that we have another set of tariffs coming up. So far, a lot of companies have absorbed the prices. These new tariffs, they're not going to be able to absorb the prices. Then, look at the National Association of Home Builders index. They put out a future remodeling index. That is rolling over near lows of the last three years. So all these things combined, I'm not sure if that happens again, just because rates go down by a quarter point. I don't know if people buy the Barker Lounge. What's the other side of that trade? Well, no, I I understand what both Brian and Tim are saying, but I'm inclined to favor BK, and we have been steadfast bulls in this, but Tim's right. They deserve a premium multiple. They get it. But go back, Scott, to January of 2018. The stock had a parabolic move to 210 with a precipitous sell-off. Then in the fall, another parabolic move to 210 and a precipitous sell-off. Guess where we just topped out at? I think you know where I'm going here. So maybe if the broader market does roll over... Look at you. It took you a few seconds yeah. to figure that out. You know, My point is this. I think, this I think it's a better accident. time to take <laughs> profits now than to, to, to lever up the trade. I'd rather buy it on a breakout above sort of 215 right here. I think you take Listen, profits. I, I think it's really interesting that we have the CEO of that company at the New York Stock Exchange 
Stains talking to David Faber days before the G20 when we were just talking about that expectations were really low for this G20. What's really important is that we already have $200 billion of tariffs in place. There's $325 billion that are uh, in limbo right now. And so I believe that those $200 billion are going to be in place for the balance of this year until we have a substantive trade deal. And look at how that is already weighing on U.S. corporate earnings, how strategists are thinking about it. They're already cutting their estimates for this back half of the year. So if this doesn't go well, I don't believe that that's priced in because I think you're going to have companies in July when they start reporting. We know that uh, you know Home, Double, uh, Home Depot and Lowe's are on a different cycle here. You're going to see some really murky guidance. That's going to weigh on the stock market. It's going to weigh on stocks like this. All right. For more on Home Depot and to watch the full interview with the CEO of Home Depot, head to CNBC.com. I'm Scott Wapner. You're watching Fast Money on CNBC, first in business worldwide. First. Here's what else is coming up on Fast. I don't believe it. That's right, because the S&P is having its best June in more than 60 years. And you won't believe which stocks are leading the pack. Plus, Bitcoin is going full moon. And one top strategist says the sky is the limit for the cryptocurrency. He will be here to weigh in. Much more Fast Money right after the break. Wouldn't it be great to have all your investment and retirement accounts in one place? Yahoo Finance, our sponsor today, makes it easy. I use it to put my investment account and 401k accounts into one hub and get expert tips that help me confidently manage my money. For more than 25 years, Yahoo Finance has been the brand behind every great investor. Whether you're a seasoned investor or are looking for that extra guidance, Yahoo Finance gives you all the tools and data you need in one place. They're the number one finance destination, producing a holistic look at the financial news cycle, including breaking news, original editorial perspectives, analyst ratings, independent research, customizable charts, and so much more. Securely link your brokerage accounts for a unified view of your wealth, including 401k and other investments. A comprehensive perspective is what sets apart great investors, and it's how Yahoo Finance ensures you have the insight to look at your wealth in its entirety. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor, yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. That's yahoofinance.com. All right, we're back on Fast Money. The S&P up over 7% this month, tracking for its best June since 1955. Bob Pisani at the New York Stock Exchange, breaking down some of this month's big winners. Bobby. Hello, Scotty. Good to see you. You know, Art Cashin famously said two months ago that the market was one tweet away from a new high and also one tweet away from a 10% correction. You know, he was right on both counts. Look at what happened in May. We were down about 8% in May on trade worries. And now we're up about 8% in June uh, since the bottom on euphoria over central banks, but particularly on renewed hopes for a positive outcome on trade and tariff talks with China. Now, you can see this with the best performers. Most are trade related. So if you look at industrials and metal names and consumer names, U.S. Steel, Whirlpool, Deere, Freeport MacMoran, Textron, all up double digits in June. And tech Trade-related names, semiconductors in particular, they're the most trade-sensitive group, many of them getting the largest chunk of their revenues from China. We also had Apple also had a big rally in June overall. Finally, casino operator Wynn also up 14%. No surprise there. 75% of their revenues come from Macau in China. What we need now is a little more participation from some other groups. The transports, for example, the railroads like Union Pacific, Norfolk Southern, they kind of set out most of the rally in June. And did some of the big health care names like Bristol-Myers and Lilly, basically flat. 
Back to you, Scott. All right, Bob, thanks. That's Bob Pisani down at the Stock Exchange. So given all these moves, we thought it was a perfect time to play our favorite game, trade it or fade it. Love this game. All right, we're going to kick it off with you, Guy. Uh, Don't we have the, the trade it or fade it? We usually run that. that what you normally do? Well, we have animation. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's, there's often usually is, a graphic. I think that was very you, animated. Maybe guy. they spent so all their time enough. on Dan's graphic. I feel, I, well, I feel, Wait, like, you, I feel like that's so what okay, I was I just want to know one thing. If I say MAGA, will it come up? Apparently not. Not. Pretty long. Oh, at least that's that's pretty long. I would never do that again. Oh, yeah. you, have gra- right. you have graphic envy. Wow. <laughs> I do. I do have graphic, graphic envy. envy. We should make a bumper sticker. Am I traded at fate? The point. I'm going to answer right off the bat. Fade it now. I'm gonna, here comes the hate tweets because fade if you ever it. say oh anything God. bad about God forbid. What's your email? But get, yes. <laughs> it's, it's on the website. Oh, on the CNBC email. website. Oh, come on. But, you know, Apple wrote a letter to Mr. Lighthizer saying, you know what, these tariffs are not good for us. And now they're talking about maybe moving 15 to 30 percent of their production out of China. I don't think the market's taking seriously enough the potential ramifications for this U.S.-China trade deal or non-deal on the back of Apple. So at 198 or so, I would say fade it here, Scott. I, you know, it's funny. I, I would trade it because I think the market's all they're doing. I, I think the market is looking at Apple Dang. and they're saying they are the poster child for trade war. Isn't Apple's it up being 14 percent in June? Something it's, like it's that. Had, well, it, sure, because you've had this environment where all the trade war dynamics have licensed up. Look at look at the, the casino stocks. Look at all the stocks that Bob talked about. But Apple, to me, is a stock that if this is an environment where Coke and Pepsi and McDonald's and, 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 and Starbucks and all these names can go higher, Apple with a capital markets dynamic, a, a, a large dividend yield, a massive buyback program, uh, a, a blended multiple on the services side that no one really knows, frankly, what to do with this. Um, this is a safe bet in a difficult Well, they know what to do with I mean, it because they sold it down 45% from the highs when services were a big part of the story last year. The bigger problem right now is not, you know, this concern about what they can do or not do with capital markets because rates and they can buy back their stock. It's the fact that iPhone's not growing anymore, and that's two-thirds of their sales, and what? that is we've, the install Dan, we've, known, we've known that for a year and a half. I, I understand, but if you're so telling I mean, me that services, though, is, is, is um, this great growth engine, if you have the underlying aspect, the hardware not growing, that will impact it overall. And we don't have growth rates on this higher margin business. That's the sort of thing that you're going to sign a massive multiple like we do in other parts of the uh, service area or in the SaaS market. You, you, you're questioning growth. It's a company where people already know what's going on in, in, in terms of the growth of their core product. We know that there's a blended multiple. You could put a 25 multiple on this company by being at around 14, 15 times on hardware and be at 35 times on services. And you could have a company that with the capital markets dynamic, what should scare you about this stock in the short to medium term when all this other stuff could be hanging overhead? If you think that China's priced in, and I do. You have a trade. Well, have, listen, go, go I, think, I, I think the rally this month is China positivity about China being priced in. That's what concerns me about it. So I'm going to fade it because I think a lot of good things have been priced in. Wow. In the long run, I'm more with Dan. So I will double fade it. Three Ooh, fades. Do we have a wow. Three fades. What a surprise. No. I bet I, we, I could probably guess the rest of this based upon these three guys on the desk. I could probably tell you exactly what it's going to be. So yeah, you're really? wrong, yeah. R-O-N-G. Yeah, you we'll see. We'll see. Timmy, you're up. U.S. Uh, Steel. I'm trade gonna, it or fade it? I'm going to trade it. <laughs> and, and, and again, this is a company that's had a lot of pressure for trade war dynamics, for tariff dynamics, for uh, hot rolled price, hot, flat rolled prices. They gave a second quarter guide on EBITDA, which wasn't terribly good. What do you think's in the price in this company? This, the biggest issue for this company is their balance sheet and in terms of how aggressive they're going to be on CapEx. If they can show some moderation there, I actually think the stock can do fine in an environment where everything we've just said is manufacturing is not in a great place. Everybody knows that. This stock knows that. So you thought he thinks he knows what I'm going to say, but I'm going to also say, Scott, trade it, run the graphic. Thank you. And the reason why is this. 
Inflation is coming, Kimosabi. It's right around the corner, and it's going to manifest itself not only in precious metal prices, but in base metal prices, specifically steel. It, at $12.5, $13, this is trading like it's going out of business, which it's not. By the way, this was a $43 stock March of last year when President Trump started talking about these things. Guys, now steel is supposed to be in the best environment ever. PS looks like it's going out of business. They printed north of $5 last year. They're expected to do a little over a dollar this year. Year. Not going out of business. It's a cyclical. That's a cyclical. They're not going out of business. Okay. I mean, well, everybody knows steel companies are cyclical. Okay. I mean, but we're at. Well, the they're only cyclical, Tim, because we, we have these it. tariffs that he actually placed on our allies for steel. Okay. So this is the sort of thing that's actually slowing. That no, was idiotic. Don't get me wrong. I mean, the steel okay. tariffs. Look at look at what George Bush did. I mean, and it went down forty three percent. It went down sixty five percent on these tariffs. Did nothing for steel companies but ruin them. All right. Next up, bear suit BK. Yeah, you know, Dear. I mean, I am, I am sounding Trade a bit bearish here. I mean, yeah, just a bit. But you know what? I'm going to stick with it and fade it. And it's not so much that I that I don't like deer. In fact, I think there's probably a chance to buy this on a dip. But look at the run this thing has had. I mean, it has just been like a scalded dog taking off here. Whoa. That's not something that BK wants to buy chance. at the highs. Very BK traffic. wants to sell it. Therefore, you fade it. Do you know in January of 2018 where John Deere, the stock, was trading, Scott? Maybe you should look at the price up there. You say it was probably about 170, guy, and, and you'd be right. And now, where is it now? Probably about 170. Valuation is not the concern, but you it have a here. major BK double top mm-hmm. in John Deere. I'm with BK. Fade that That's how to play the game. Yeah. Well, I, I, I tell you, at, at the risk of jumping on the bear guys, I, this is also it's my, tough being one bull on the dust side. Huh? It, look, it's it's my back is breaking right now from the burden I'm carrying for the rest of America right now. But here's the problem: my John Deere lawn tractor broke down two weeks ago. Uh-oh. I'm not happy with John Deere. Just to be clear, it's in the shop. My lawn is now two weeks without getting cut. Um, the neighbors are complaining. What, what can I tell you? So All right. uh, I'm fading. Last one, long. Danny. Win. Fade it or fade it? I think you trade this one, and let me tell you why. Uh, last wow. Wait a minute. Hold on. Hold. I think you trade this one, and let me tell you why. Okay. okay? This stock last year was trading about 200 bucks. It got (laughs) cut in half when there was serious worries about Asia slowing, about Chinese economy slowing here. So the stock is actually was up. What? It was trading almost. 150 bucks just about six months ago or something like that. It went all the way back down to 100. I think it's finding a little floor here. When they reported in early May, Macau revenues were down 15%. Bob Pisani already told us about two-thirds of their sales come from Macau. I think Macau's trying to find a little bit of a bottom here. I think Chinese equities in, in general have acted okay. I think they're getting some support here. And I think this is a way that U.S. investors might try to play some sort of uh, reflation trade in China. Yeah, he's a trader. Yeah, it? no one has a just yeah. Well, yeah. I, mean, I, I say fade. Yeah. I, mean, I, I think to, to me this is the same trade as Apple. I didn't Apple. mean to catch you mid. We give him a hug. Yeah, but, you know. No, I mean, like I meant to come over and give him just a hug, <laughs> to hug it out because I mean that fade was fade. Yeah, well, we usually wait till the break to go full. Candy, well, we, but, we do. Know. That's how we. That's how but we roll. Tim, are you fading it or trading it? I already said I was trading. I'm fading. Guys, going to choke. Hold on. Oh, we'll pass. We'll hug it out. All right, please. All right, all day tomorrow on CNBC. Don't miss Carl Quintanilla's special report made in Vietnam. He's profiling that country's manufacturing boom. It all starts at 6 a.m. Eastern time. Still ahead, FedEx tumbling today. Now down nearly 40% from its September high. One trader's betting the stock could continue to break down on earnings this week. We've got the details. Plus, going crazy for crypto after Facebook unveiled its Libra coin last week. But one top analyst says there is something investors are getting very wrong. He's here to explain when Fast Money returns. Tim finishes his candy bar. <laughs> yeah. 
Welcome back to Fast Money. The transport's tumbling today, posting the worst session in a month as FedEx and UPS are under pressure. FedEx also cutting express rates to try and lure more customers from UPS as their contract with Amazon winds down. While UPS is in the midst of a huge revamp to adapt to the demands of online retail, both of these companies struggling through the first half of 2019. So who, if anyone, can come out on top? I don't think either one of them. I mean, listen, FedEx made an all-time high 18 months ago. The stock market's at an all-time high. Spending, consumer spending is through the roof. FedEx should be through the roof. And here we are, some 35, 40% lower. It makes no sense, except when you realize maybe things aren't as rosy. So I'm not bullish in FedEx at all. I think this thing rolls over. Any strength has been a sell for the last 18 months, and I don't see any reason why it's going to change tomorrow. Yeah, I mean, look at look at some of the other things outside of FedEx, Norfolk Southern. The rails don't look good. Look at Old Dominion Freight, J.B. Hunt. All of those just look horrible. Again, if we were in a really great cyclical economy, those things should be screaming. They ain't. Yeah, but we're not in a recession. I didn't say we were in a recession. Sound like we are. No, because we're at all-time highs, and you might get disappointed in earnings. Doesn't mean the market can go down 10% without having a recession. If you, if you, what the the bears are talking about uh, makes sense in terms of Brian's probably referring to truckload spot rates, which are down about 25% year over year. If you look at export coal volumes, I I just saw some quotes this week. They're down about 26% year over year. So, so the numbers uh, for shipping and freight don't look pretty. Uh, and on the transport side, if anything, the place where I think you actually uh, should not be listening to any of that noise is on the airlines. I think the airlines, to me, are priced for a recessionary economy. And I've said that I actually feel very comfortable owning the airlines. I feel comfortable owning FedEx. Dan has pointed out, and he's right some of the time, and he's wrong some of the time, as have I. FedEx is, a, is a, look, and it, FedEx at a trough multiple means zero. I was watching OA. You said this nice. last Friday, Friday in OA, and I, was, I like OA. So Friday I watch at 530. It. I watch it at 530. And, and what he pointed out is that, look, at 10 times, yeah, it's a trough multiple. But it, during trough moments, this is a stock that actually goes well through that. I feel very comfortable with Fred Smith, very comfortable with the management team there. And this is a stock I own long term. All right. Earnings tomorrow after the bell. Options traders are betting on another downturn. You're going to go to the plasma and tell yeah, us what you Yeah, I will expect? do that. So they report, like you said, Scott, after the bell. The options market is implying about a 5% move in either direction between now and Friday's close. On average, the stock has moved about 6% over the last four quarters. All four times over the last year, this stock has declined the next day. To Guy's point, this stock has been a sale um, on rallies, but it does find buyers because of that fine management and that cheap valuation. Um, the one trade that was kind of stuck out today, and it looked like maybe it was uh, maybe a couple traders accumulating this position today with a stock above 161. They were buying the June 28th, this Friday expiration, 160, 150 put spread, paying about $3 for those, looking for a move down to 150, which would essentially be in line with that implied movement. Um, let's just go to the charts and let's talk about why 150 could be a very important level. This is that um, one year chart here. This is the December low, just above 150 last month. It kind of bottomed out just about 150. Now it's kind of turning lower as we head into earnings tomorrow night. And then here's the 10-year. This is really interesting here. Obviously, this stock had this huge ramp off that uptrend from the 2009 financial crisis lows here, and it's down 40% or so in the last year. It's right at that trend line. I would say 150 is a very, very important level. I'll just make one point. You know, I think expectations are very low, so this company does not have to put up a big number for it to find some support down in the 150s. All right. Hmm. Good stuff, Danny. Nice. All right. As always, for more Options Action, check out the full show every Friday at 5.30 p.m. Eastern Time. 
Next up, Bitcoin is surging to its highest level since 2017 over the weekend, but RBC's Mitch Steves says Wall Street is getting one thing wrong about the crypto craze. We'll tell you what it is right after the break. Welcome back to Fast Money. We have a Bitcoin alert. The crypto ripping through 11,000 over the weekend for the first time since 2017. Bitcoin just under that key level now. There it is, 10916 75 cents. It's been on a wild ride this year, up nearly 200% as investors jump back in to the crypto craze. Who yeah. else but the Bitcoin who? boss? Who, who could that be? Yeah, it's, it's interesting. We've talked about this all year. You're actually starting to see real buyers coming in. We talked about it when it was closer to five or 6,000 and actually even in the 4,000s that what you're seeing is we have a supply cut that's coming in 2020. You generally see a rally one year before and one year after. So right on cue, here comes Bitcoin rallying. The one thing I would say to everybody, we are now up, like you said, almost 200% for the year, 170 some odd percent. Remember, this is extremely risky asset class. Even in 2017, when Bitcoin was up 1,000%, you had months where it was down 30 40%. So, you know, if you're buying at the highs, recognize you're buying at the highs, and right. you might be able Let to take a Let me ask you a question. You yeah. said the magic words. It's a risky asset class, okay? Yep. I've heard some people say that Bitcoin is a safe haven. How can a safe haven be a risky so asset I class, and how can a risky asset class be a safe haven? The investment thesis Tell is that, that it's going to be digital gold, right? And, that's, and as people need to buy into it, that's going to be the, the investment case. It is not a quote-unquote safe haven. It is 100% volatility. It's the most volatile asset class out there. So you have to exercise a little bit of caution with it. But there is an investment thesis that this could disrupt gold. And if this disrupts gold, you're talking about prices that will exceed the last bull market. Okay. Thank you for doing that. Thanks for the explanation. That was great. All right. The crypto craze has been fueled in part by Facebook's unveiling of its own cryptocurrency, Libra. But our next guest says Wall Street is getting something all wrong about the new coin launch. Let's bring in Mitch Steves. He's equity research analyst at RBC, joins us from San Francisco. Steve, good to have you on. Hey, thanks for having me. What are we getting wrong? Well, I think one of the interesting things is we have to start defining what a cryptocurrency is, right? So people believe that uh, cryptocurrency can be centralized and it can be decentralized. I think that that is incorrect. So we have to separate the two items. One is a centralized cryptocurrency like a Libra, and then one is a decentralized cryptocurrency like a Bitcoin. Um, So I'm going to put it in really layman's terms, there are really three key items. So with a centralized cryptocurrency, they can shut down your transaction. So let's say I wanted to send you $5 of of, uh, Libra right now, Facebook could very easily just stop that transaction. If I wanted to send you $5 of the Bitcoin right now, there's literally nothing you could do about it. Um, Another one is the onboarding. Uh, To go onto the Libra system, you have to actually be approved, right? So to get on the Bitcoin system, you don't have to do anything. So if you are in India, where they've already come out negative on Libra, you actually cannot get any Libra, right? Right. But if you're in India and I want to send you money with Bitcoin, I can do that today. It doesn't really matter where I am, right? And then the last one is actually the consensus protocol. This would be a little more complicated on the tech front, but basically... The consensus protocol for Libra uses something called Byzantine fault tolerance. What that means is they chose the validators to confirm each transaction. Whereas in Bitcoin, uh, if you want to download the code yourself and make sure everything is legitimate, you can do it yourself. So in the other one, you're trusting Facebook and you're trusting everybody else who they essentially charge $10 million to be part of the protocol Look, uh, with, your, with each transaction. Let me so ask those you, are the really the big three differences. Let me ask you this question. How many Bitcoin dollars do you think the Libra 
announcement was worth? In other words, if they didn't announce it at all, where would Bitcoin be trading today? I'm not sure if they're really related, to be honest, because really, because the, the problem is I, the, the one thing that is related is I think it's making people read now. Right. So before I would get a lot of questions that said, like, you can separate blockchain and cryptocurrency. I think that the average institutional investor who's actually been reading about this now, they actually understand you can't separate blockchain and cryptocurrency now. After the Libra announcement, people are realizing, wait a minute, you can't really have a centralized cryptocurrency and a decentralized cryptocurrency. So that is what I think is happening. I can't really put a dollar value to it, unfortunately, but I think that it's helping educate everybody on what the difference is between all these different cryptocurrencies that are out there. Sure, I get it. And I didn't mean maybe so literally, but you kind of get my point that if Facebook didn't announce this, I wonder if Bitcoin would have had the crazy weekend that it did. But uh, BK, Brian Kelly has a question for you. Hey, I, hey it's BK. So I have, I have a question. You've in the past talked about this asset class being a $10 trillion asset class. Get me there. Mm-hmm. Is that all Bitcoin? Because if so, then Bitcoin's got a huge run. Or are we talking about multiple different assets that are going to emerge? So to me, there's really two different asset classes within uh, cryptocurrencies. There is a store value slash medium of exchange, which would be a Bitcoin, Monero, um, Zcash, effectively Litecoin, etc. Then there would be the decentralized application side, which would be Ethereum, EOS, Cardano, and we've written about all these these two different subsegments. So the first way to get there is you just look at gold, right? Gold's about seven, eight trillion, so that already gets you to one use case, getting you to ten, right, over fifteen years. The second one is significantly more complicated. Essentially, what you're looking at is a decentralized internet. In this decentralized internet, essentially all the privacy goes to the user. So what that means is in the future, when you are using the internet, you will no longer be forced to see ads. You will be paid to see ads. Uh, you will no longer be forced to give out your, your financial information. You'll be, cho- you'll be allowed to choose who sees your financial information. And so then that environment, when that one scales out, I think that's going to be worth significantly more than just the store value side. Okay. But I think still people are trying to understand the store value side. And so that still has, like, as you guys already know, that's kind of the digital gold uh, argument that people make. Sure. Mitch, we appreciate it very much. Thanks. Yep. What do you think about that take on Libra? So, I mean, listen, he's, he's 100% right. Libra is not a, a quote-unquote uh, cryptocurrency. To your point, though, you know, we were trading at about $9,000 before uh, this announcement came out. When that announcement came out, I saw miners who were selling say, you know what, I'm going to stop selling for a bit. So I think it's probably worth 1,500, 2,000 points in Bitcoin huh. when that news came out. Interesting. It, it seems, though, that, that if nothing else, it reignited a fire. I realize that, that Bitcoin had already had a pretty nice run year-to-date, but it certainly ignited a fire under under this by the same people that were trading this currency before. Um, so everyone that said it was left for dead, it's, it tells you people want a highly volatile. First of all, they want to speculate, as Brian said. Mm-hmm. They don't want the store of value. And that institutions are nibbling around the corner. I think that's clear. All right. Coming up, Amazon threatening to take down one of the best performing stocks of the last decade. We're going to tell you what it is and how to play that space. We are live at the NASDAQ in Times Square and much more Fast Money is still ahead. All right, we're back. It's time for a little buzzkill. It was an ugly day for shares of beauty retailer Ulta, falling nearly 3% after Amazon announced the launch of its own beauty store, allowing makeup artists and stylists to shop from a list of professional products. Beauty stocks dazzling investors this year, with shares of Cody up nearly 100%, Estee Lauder, Ulta, and ELF all up more than 40%. But is Amazon's break into beauty a bad thing for this group? 
guy. In the short term, yes. I mean, remember when they started, they said we're going to go into sort of Home Depot's lane. And Home Depot actually took a bit of a beating for a period of time until it got its footing. I think the same thing's going to happen here. Listen, Alta, for example, is a $250 stock beginning this year. It's $350 now. The move has been fantastic and somewhat justified. It's not expensive at 23 times forward earnings. But when Amazon's on the radar screen, you've got to take profits here. I think you take money off the table. You see what they do when they report earnings, I believe, in August. Uh, Alta gets it from both sides. If Amazon set their sights on them, Alta's basically, this is me. I'm the beauty correspondent. I got two teenage daughters here. It's the big box retailer. Yeah, of, just your of, daughters, right? A big box I've retailer the of cosmetics. There, and then you have Glossier on the other side, which has got the direct-to-consumer kind of cool factor here. This is not a good thing for Alta here. But, but Amazon's been in their lane f- from the beginning of time. I mean, this, if anything, this should be more for hitting you know, Target and Walmart and the people where they're off buying it. I think the brands themselves are actually in a pretty good place. Um, such high margin, too. But Estee Lauder, to me, and L'Oreal are two places I think you stay. Margins are great. Well, I think that's probably why they did so well. I, I, for Ulta, though, Ulta's traded kind of like one of those restaurant stocks where they keep opening all these stores and they get this huge earnings growth. Same thing with Ulta. They've opened a whole bunch of stores. Now, all of a sudden, Amazon's coming in. You do not want to compete against Amazon. So well, I'm with Guy. I'm a fader. Is that, are we still mm. playing nice that job, game? Nice job, right? Because yeah. we tied it I, together, That's a bookend. Bookended. Yeah. Fader and a hater. All right. Up next, we'll do final trades. Let's go around the horn. Final trades. Timmy, you're up first. A lot of good chat about transports, everything around that space. I actually think FedEx, and as Dan pointed out, I think there's a lot of bad news in the stock. I think he's seen actually a guidance cut, and I think this is a company on a margin and on valuation. I think you can own it here. All right. BK? So we talked a lot about warning signs, one of which is being gold. You're seeing Bitcoin go up. We are seeing some people actually buying Bitcoin uh, because they think that there's going to be a currency war out there. If gold keeps going higher, you're going to get an M&A boom. The way you play that is the junior miners GDXJ. Okay. Danny Boy. I think this crowding into these staple stocks is getting a little overdone. Kramer said it Friday morning on the air. He said Procter & Gamble is not the sort of stock that goes up when the market, the economy right. is on fire That's here. Right. I think you sell the sta- staples XLP is a little too expensive. Okay. I like when Dan pays attention. By the way, it's great. You know, you, don't you have fun? other you programs, enjoy, you know? You enjoy other this, than his own. You do enjoy this. You have fun. Well, what do you I know think? you're tired when you get here, but then it's like you ramp tired. it up like, man, this is fun. It's yeah, high energy right in my stuff. wheelhouse right now. You know who else is a friend of yours? I know Terry Duffy. He watches your show, Terry Duffy. Big fans. From the CME Chicago group. Mercantile oh, Exchange. Yeah. Otherwise, and if you look, made volumes group. were up 19% year over year. That sucker's right. going higher. Great. Nice being with all of you. That does it for us. Fast <laughs> Money again, 5 p.m. Eastern tomorrow. Mad Money with Jim Cramer begins right now. <laughs> this podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx.